Welcome to the Feather Desert, a podcast all about desert bird feeding in the southwestern region of the United States. Welcome everyone back to the Feather Desert. I'm Kirsten and Cheryl is with me here today as always. And today we're going to talk about feathers. A lot of people like feathers for different reasons and birds love their feathers and that is the one thing that separates birds from really all other creatures on the planet is their feathers we're going to talk about what they're made of what they're used for and how to keep them looking good cheryl's going to start us off with our fun scientific part (laughs) (laughs) thank you anatomy of a feather yeah so the best place to start is with the anatomy of the feather itself All feathers, no matter what their purpose, all have the same basic structure. Feathers are made of mainly beta beta keratin, which is a microscopic fibrous protein polymer. I should get an A for that. Yes, you did get an A for that. It is similar to the keratin found in the skin of all vertebrates, including humans and birds and birds, but has a slightly different structure. The base of any feather begins with the middle shaft. The calamus is the bottom of the shaft that holds the feather in a follicle under the skin. Think of an old-fashioned ink quill pen. The portion you hold to dip into the ink and write is the calamus. The rachis is the portion of the shaft that supports the vein. And the vein is the portion of the feather that we are most familiar with because it's what you see when you look at the bird. It's the pretty top portion of the ink quill pen. The vein is made up of individual barbs that grow out of the rachis. This is what we run our hands up and down when we hold a feather. Barbules at the end of the, Kirsten's gonna be so proud of me. I am, I've got the gold star ready for you right now. (laughs) At the end of the barbs are what allow the feather to zip up like a zipper. That is so cool. It really is. And the vein will vary in appearance depending on the purpose of the feather. Kirsten's going to talk about types. Yes, types of feathers and what they are used for. So the main ones that we generally see are called contour feathers. These feathers are the ones that cover the body of the bird and have stiff veins with the interlocking barbs. These are the ones that we sit, when we hold in our hands, we run our hands up and down it just because it's something that you do. So there are basically three kinds of contour feathers, and those are the covert feathers. These are smaller feathers that cover the body and the shoulder area of the wing. So when you're looking at the bird, at the bird feeder, you're seeing mainly covert feathers. These are used for aerodynamics, color presentation, and protection over down feathers. Another type of feather is the primary feather. These are the large veined feathers that are on the tip of the wing. So when we see them flying, these are the ones that kind of look like the fingers at the ends of the wings. These are integral to flight. Without your primary feathers, you are not getting up off the ground. There are secondary feathers as well. These are the feathers that are on the bottom edge of the wing and are typically shorter than the primaries. They grow from the middle of the wing's edge towards the body. These are also important for flight as well. Then there are the retrices, which kind of fold into being a secondary feather in a way. These are the flight feathers of the tail. And essentially they're the tail. The retrices are the tail. (laughs) And um, they are typically used for steering and braking during flight. 
Um, the large display feathers of certain species, they are considered retroses, but um, they're an exception. Um, like a peacock, he doesn't use his for braking or steering. No, he uses them for other purposes. Yes, for like, saying, look good. how good I look. Yes. So the down feathers are a second type of feather that birds have. These are the fluffy feathers that we see on baby chicks. Uh, birds actually have down feathers on their body throughout their entire lives. But as they get older, the covert feathers will grow out and cover them. The down is made of a central shaft, but often does not have the rachis. So it remains soft and pliable. And the vein area is made up of that soft, fluffy barbs that do not interlock. So that's why we always, you always want to pet, you always just want to pet a little bird. But because it looks so, so fluffy. So down is used for thermal regulation. Third type of feathers are called semi-plumes. These feathers are in between a contour feather and a down feather. They will have a strong rachis, which is often longer than the longest barb on this feather. They are used to enhance insulation, fill out aerodynamic contours of body plumage, and can function as courtship ornamentation. Now they're often hidden from view by contour feathers unless they are needed for breeding. The white plumes that male egrets have on their heads during breeding season are semi-plumes. Technically, the peacock tail feathers would also be considered so semi-plumes. Semi yes. That's interesting. So phyloplumes are a fourth type of feather. And these are hair-like feathers that are made up of a fine rachis that thickens towards the outer end. And it has one to six short barbs at the end. So they kind of look like a sad Charlie Brown Christmas tree with branches only at the very, very top. Uh, but they're very, very fascinating feathers. I think these are the most fascinating. They actually monitor the movement of adjacent stiff veined feathers, such as the contour feathers. They're found all over the body, but are more numerous around feathers involved in flight. They will extend beyond the contour feathers in songbirds and are quite numerous around the nape of the neck. When the tip of the rachis is disturbed, a message is sent down the shaft to the nerve under the skin that will signal the muscle to, the, uh, to adjust the position of the adjacent flight feather. I just think that's amazing. It is amazing. So do, these are feathers that we actually see. They're very like, difficult to see with the eye. Right. Especially when the birds are far away from you. You would not be seeing these until you have the, them in your hand and it's going to be kind of a weighty songbird that you're going to be able to see them in. Like something the size of a cardinal or larger, then you might be able to see them. So they kind of act like whiskers on a cat. Similar, Similar but, um, but not, exactly. not exactly. They actually have the next one, the next feather we talk about actually acts okay. like that. Okay. Um, but the uh, flight, I'm sorry, the... Um, Phyloplumes that we're talking about um, are associated with contour feathers, uh, such as the ones on the nape of the neck, and they think that these might also help monitor airspeed. Oh. So it helps adjust um, flight feathers and also possibly monitor how fast you're going. These phyloplumes are absent in flightless birds, which is why we think they're so much related to flight, flight. Um, such as penguins and ostriches. They don't have any phyloplumes because huh. they don't really fly. In the air. So why does the bird need to know how fast it's going? That's an excellent question. <laughs> uh -oh. And when we find a bird that can answer that question, <laughs> then we are 100% going to do that. Or a scientist that wants to do that study, huh? Yes. Yeah. All right. Our fifth and last type of feathers are bristles. 
Now these are the ones that are a little bit more like cat uh, whiskers. Bristles are modified feathers that consist only of a rachis and a few barbs at the base. They are used for protection and sensory function. They are most often found on the head of the bird around the face. The eyelashes, sorry, the eyelashes of ostriches and hornbills are protective bristles. Woodpeckers, jays, and crows also have protective bristles covering their nares or nostrils. Insect-eating birds such as nightjars have bristles around the mouth that help them sense and catch insects at night. Hmm. So those kind of act a little bit more like the cat whiskers, whiskers where the cat feels something near its face and it can adjust its face and um or it needs to blink its eye something like that so that's a little more more like that one so cheryl is going to talk to us a little about color a yeah. little about color yes yeah, so a little yeah more scientific words kirsten <laughs> sorry so. could not be avoided on this one <laughs> there are two ways feathers display color one is biochrome pigments and the other is structural color and we're going to learn a little bit about each one so biochrome pigment, pigments, there are three types of biochrome pigments. Melanins, carotenoids, and porphins. Okay, I'm waiting to see if I need a correction, but I no, think No, no, you got it, you got it. All right, melanins are responsible for earth tones such as grays, blacks, browns, and buff colors. Carotenoids are responsible for bright yellows, oranges, and reds, and certain blues and greens, except in parrots. Of course, there's always an exception. There's always parrots. an exception. And porphins are responsible for the particular bright browns and green feathers and a unique magenta color. Melanins perform many functions. Extra keratin associated with melanin makes the feathers more resistant to wear. The melanin in our bird, desert bird's feathers help resist wear and tear of sand. That's interesting. It is. Melanin also increases resistance to degradation from bacteria. And melanin also absorbs heat to keep birds warm and feathers dry faster. So when our customers say, why are all the desert birds brown? Yep. Huh. Now we have they, a good uh, answer. Mother Nature was thinking ahead. Uh, carotenoids, carotenoid pigments are derived from a bird's diet. They can be used by the bird's body in many ways. The pigments that are metabolized at, in the feather follicle embed themselves in the barbs and the bobules of the growing feather, producing a red, orange, or yellow feather. <clears throat> Parrots, such as our peach-faced lovebirds, do not use carotenoids to produce their reds and yellows. They have a different pigment that is manufactured in the growing feather. Huh. Yeah, and that one is is like a That's a really exception. complicated word. Yes, so yeah. I left that one out. But Thank it is you. a different type of it's a different <laughs> type of pigment, very similar to carotenoid, but they don't use that one. Um, Porphins are chemically related to iron-containing blood cells. They show red fluorescence in the ultraviolet spectrum, which we know is very important to many bird species. Porphins are present in brown and rusty red feathers of over 13 orders of birds, but typically in new feathers because it's easily destroyed by sunlight. Huh. I guess that's why during um, breeding season, everybody looks real, real bright. And yeah. then by the end of breeding season, they look not so bright because they've... Um, yeah, it's been destroyed. Down. Some of that, that UV has been destroyed by the sunlight. Bird feathers <clears throat> can also contain combinations of all three pigments to create certain colors. For example, olive green is a combination of carotenoids, 
and melanins in a single feather, one in the barbs and one in the barbule. Structural colors. The other way a feather shows color is through structure. Structural colors are created by differences in the actual structure of the feather. This is fascinating. Yeah. The light is bounced off the feather in different ways, and, and that is how the color is produced. Essentially, the light wavelengths that our eyes are that our eye sees are altered by the structure reflecting specific colors. For example, the iridescent colors of the hummingbird are produced by air-filled melanin granules that are layered in the barbs of their feathers, and depending on the angle of the light to the eye, it will determine which color we see. That's a very basic <laughs> Reader's Digest version of that, but I didn't want to get too scientific with it. Thank you. Yeah. But that is so interesting. Birds are like multi-layered multi amazing. Yeah, they really, they're like an onion. You peel one down and you find something new. There's it's very cool. There's always something new to learn about them and they're so complicated and we really take that for granted. Ultraviolet spectrum. Recent studies have identified UV reflectance? Reflectance, yeah. Reflectance in almost 312 species of bird feathers. Most UV spectrum is structural in feathers. It turns out that birds have a UV sensitive cone in the retina of their eye that allows them to see ultraviolet and brightly colored feathers. Humans lack this cone. Darn it. Yeah, I know. So we huh. see red as red, whereas a bird with this cone sees the combination of the red pigment with the UV reflectance, making it more of a purple color. Aww. The yeah. main reasons birds have colored feathers are for camouflage and mate selection. Yeah, all wow. right, good. Otherwise, they'd all be brown. Otherwise, they'd all be brown, exactly. <laughs> all right, nice. Feather care. Short tutorial on color. Yes, feather care is next. So considering your entire body is covered in feathers and that they help you fly, help you blend in to avoid predators and find a mate, it's pretty important to keep them healthy. So most birds have what we call a preen gland. And that secretes an oily substance made of waxes, fatty acids, fat, and water. The preen gland is located usually in the tail area. When birds applies this, I'm sorry, when birds apply this wax to their external feathers with their bills, it actually cleans the feathers, it preserves the feathers' moistness and flexibility, and it may also help regulate bacterial flora and fungi that lives in the feathers. So birds also host many invertebrates, such as chewing lice, louse flies, and feather mites. Now remember that little statement right there, next time you want to pick up a bird. It's got a lot of mites on it. <laughs> so these pests actually eat the keratin in the feathers and can destroy feathers, leaving the birds unable to fly, unable to regulate their body temperature, and they will definitely not be attractive to mates. Regular preening helps keep these invertebrates under control as well. Now, birds may preen feathers as often as once an hour while resting. So those of you who are watching that bird and he just seems to be chilling out and then he starts messing with all these feathers, like, what's he doing? He's preening himself to keep himself nice and clean. When they are preening, they will reposition um, out-of-place feathers and they will rearrange plumage as well as applying that waxy substance. This is most often done with their bills. But certain birds like herons, nightjars, and barn owls have small combs on their middle claw that is used in grooming. That is fascinating. It's really cool. I actually worked with a barn owl um, in one of my zoo days. 
And you can, you can see it when she sat on her glove. You could see it just looks like a little comb on on their on their nail, on their claw. It's really, really cool looking. And then she combs her feathers. Yes. So is there any positives to having uh, feather mites? I mean, nature always has a balance, right? I, or no? <laughs> I don't know if we as scientists have figured out yet if there's a positive to it. Um, it probably could help if you have a feather that has broken and it could possibly be a blood feather that hasn't grown all the way in yet um, and uh, you don't want to bleed out of course that would be horrible the mites might help get that feather removed or something I don't I don't really know if there is a positive to it quite yet but that's a really good question oh two. <laughs> she's got two good questions today <laughs> so far all right so now we're going to talk about molting and how we can help the birds not molt but how we can help them restore their feathers yes another way to keep feathers looking good and performing well is through molting and every bird will go through a molting period at least once a year possibly more there are a variety a variety of ways to molt and different birds will utilize different strategies first what exactly is molting it's a the systematic planned loss and replacement of feathers an accidental broken feather will trigger growth of a new one for replacement, but that is not considered molting. That is so fascinating that um, it's like a nerve going to the bird brain. Oh, you lost a feather. We need to grow a new one. Yeah, I'm, and I'm sure it's just not one of those things that they make a conscious decision to do. Oh, I need to grow a feather today. It's just something that the body no, takes care kind of. kind of like our hair. Yeah, yeah, or, yeah, exactly. Yeah, fingernails, although I think about my fingernails growing <laughs> um, Many birds may molt once a year, such as our northern cardinal, but others will molt twice a year, such as our lesser goldfinches. Most adults will molt into a vibrant col breeding color during the late winter and early spring, and then molt again after the breeding season into paler colors for summer and winter time. A few species will molt three to four times a year, but the extra two molts are only partial molts involving growing in or losing specialized plumage for breeding seasons, such as the fluffy semi-plumes of the egrets or the bobolink. Yes. I know that that bird has, does that. Yeah, there's also a ruffed grouse, which is like amazing. It's like they grow in this like feather boa around them. You're just like, whoa. And then they don't need it after breeding season. <laughs> so they lose it, because why have the extra? Right. There is often a specific symmetrical pattern to molting as well, and most birds need to fly during molting, so they only molt a few feathers at a time and do so symmetrically so they can still fly. Waterfowl, such as mallards, do not follow this pattern, of course not. <laughs> they molt all their feathers at once and remain flightless until their new ones grow in. I didn't know this. Yeah. That leaves them vulnerable. It does, but it's a chance that they take because get it done all at one time, and then they're fresh and new and they're ready for migration again. Um, the same thing with the, the next bird you're going to discuss, too. Yeah. also do the same because their feathers are extremely important to their waterproofing, and they cannot survive the cold temperatures of the water with their downy feathers exposed. I didn't even know they molted. Yep, they do. They molt. Um, I, I worked with some at, in one of my zoo days as well, and they do it literally in one day. 
they like gorge themselves on food and they get like fat like penguins don't even have cheeks but when they right before they're gonna molt they put shove so much food down in them their like faces get all bulgy and they're just huge and you think they waddle before my god they're crazy they're like little weevil people and then the next day you come in and it's like somebody popped them and it's just poof and there's feathers everywhere so many feathers everywhere and then they've got down on them for about a week and then they just grow those feathers right back in and then they're sleek as ever. But they do it quickly and they do it all at one time because you can't have portions of your body exposed to those cold temperatures. Right. You can't swim, you can't uh, withstand thermoregulation. And so they um, just do it all at one time. And that's why when you're watching those movies about breeding season, they're often molting at the same time that they are um, breeding kind of, so because they're on land. So you gotta do it all at one time. Because someone's got to, once the chick is hatched, someone's got to get back in the water and swim around and get food and come back. And the parents swap off, so they got to molt at some point in time um, during the year. It's very interesting. It is interesting. I didn't know that. So how can we help our birds during molting season? By offering high-protein food, bird foods, such as peanuts, suet, mealworms, we can help supplement their diet to give them the best chance at growing in healthy feathers. So... We do have some of these specific items at uh, Wild Birds Unlimited in Mesa that you can offer your birds, like bark butter bits. Bark butter is great. No melt dough, suets, in-shell or out-of-the-shell peanuts, mealworms, and a cylinder we have such as bug nut and berry, those all which has peanuts and mealworms in it, and your birds will consume it super fast. Oh, yes. Um, those are all things that we can do to... Um, to offer our birds we can offer our birds to help them with growing new feathers and keeping them healthy and choosing the right foods for our birds is a good way to keep them healthy all the time absolutely so there were a few unique feather uses that i came across doing this research and i just i wanted to share these because they were so amazing and i think our listeners need to know about them uh, the first one is the sand grouse of the African desert actually uses modified belly feathers to absorb and transport water from watering holes to his flightless chicks during nesting season. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So he gets down in the watering hole, which of course can also be a little bit of a Danger. gamble yeah. because there's crocodiles in there. So the adult male actually soaks his belly feathers in the water and the chicks squeeze their beaks on the feathers when he arrives back at the nest and they wring that water into their mouths. It's just crazy. But they're not, they have to get water and they're not capable. They, of course, they nest very far away from the watering hole because you don't want to expose yeah. everybody. And, uh, but they've got to have water. So that's just such a unique and crazy adaptation. What an awesome dad. Yeah, I know. So brave. Um, the second one is the male club-winged mannequin, which is a South American species. And he can play his wings like a guitar during mating displays. So this species of mannequin is known to make a tick-tick-ting similar to a cricket. With the help of a slowed-down video, scientists discovered that they use the fifth secondary feather on their wing as a pick to rub the adjacent secondary feather as they throw their wings up above their heads. So he is serenading her as well as dancing. That is a, it's crazy. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's like the um, broad, is it the broad tail that has that? Uh, yeah. That different that, feather that makes a that, whistling noise. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so crazy. So, and the third one I thought, which was really interesting, is there is a specific type of powdered down feather 
that are found on some birds such as herons, cuckoos, and cockatoos. The feather actually grows in a specific pattern throughout the bird's coat, and this feather continually sloughs microscopic particles of keratin and leaves a powdery substance on the feathers. We don't really know why these birds have this type of feather, but it may be for waterproofing. And the salmon-crested cockatoo is an example. I worked with one of these before as well, and my goodness, you would take this bird out and you would, um, uh, we used her for education, and you'd put her back in and you would be covered in snow. And you're just like, what is going on with you? Like and yeah, and one of the things, every time if, if you pet her when you had her out and gave her a little neck rub because she liked having just the base of her skull scratched, because of course it's kind of a hard place to get that, or at the very top, um, she liked that as well, um, you'd put her back and she would immediately start grooming herself and preening, and she was spreading that feather all over, her, um, that, the dust. feathery keratin dust all over herself again. So we don't really know what it's used for, but... It's used for something. So that was a little delve into feathers. Hopefully you guys found it interesting and weren't too terribly overwhelmed. And um, now you kind of know what happens when birds molt and why it's important to give them some high protein food. All right, we'll talk to you next time.